Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Let's Talk Low Vision, sponsored by the Council of Citizens with Low Vision International. My name is Dr. Bill Takesta, and I'll be your host this evening, and we're very, very privileged to have Mr. Luis Luna here with us to talk to us about some of the different services that may be available to people with low vision through the Social Security Administration. Uh, welcome to the show, uh, Mr. Luna. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes, yes. You know, this is something that so many people who are visually impaired want to know more about it. And, uh, you know, a lot of times there's some misinformation that's out there. So I guess the first question that we would like for you to answer for us is, can you tell us some of the different programs that may be available to people who are legally blind? Yeah, um, there's two programs that Social Security deal with primarily. One of them is called Social Security Disability Insurance. And the other program is the Supplemental Security Income. Uh, it's known as SSI. Now, for the Social Security Disability Insurance, the SSDI program, a person needs to have worked in order to become insured for that particular program. Typically, a person needs to work five out of the last 10 years to become insured. That's the disability insurance program. Now, under SSI, it's a, it's a resource and income-based program. You can qualify for it without having to work, but we look at the income and resource of an individual. It's more like a welfare program. And those are the two main programs that Social Security offers to the public. Okay, so if a person, let's say, for example, that a person is visually impaired and their doctor has diagnosed them as being legally blind. Um, if they have never worked, they may then be eligible to apply for the SSI if they have low income. Is that correct? That is correct, Bill. So theoretically, if one is a child, let's say that uh, we had a child today and this child was, again, legally blind and the child's family, both parents were not working, this child who has never worked because of their low income, they can apply for SSI? That is correct. Yeah, and that will be correct. In addition to that, one of the features that, that associates the SSI program is that once a person's eligible for it, they qualify for Medicaid. In California, we call it Medi-Cal. Oh, that's great. That's great. Now, if a person is going to apply for SSI, um, there are some financial requirements that really seems to be the only particular type of requirement. What are some of the requirements that one might have to meet in order to be eligible for SSI? Okay. What I had mentioned earlier, it's an income and resource program, so we look at the person's income and resource. For a single person applying for the program, they, can have, they cannot have more than $2,000 in resources. If it's a married couple they can't have more than $3,000 in resources. Income, we look at a little bit different. If a person's working at the same time as they apply for the benefits, we look at how much money they're earning, how much they're earning in order to determine to see if they qualify for it. One of the determining factors we look at if a person's working at the time of applying is if they're engaging in what we call substantial gainful activity, or SGA for short. And so if a person is working, but they just aren't making quite enough money, uh, they, they still can apply for the SSI. That is correct. 
Now, does a, does a person have to be a uh, legal resident or a citizen of, of the United States in order to apply for SSI? You have to at least be a, a legal resident of the United States, yes. Yeah. And so that may include if one has a work visa or a green card that they can apply for that? That's correct. If they have a uh, what we call an I-551, that's the permanent resident card, or if they have a, a work permit, they can use that. If it's a simple visa, a visitor's visa, no, they wouldn't qualify based on a visa. And how much income might one, uh, what's sort of the range of income that one might be eligible for depending on the range of um, income that they have and their resources? Is it is it on the order of a couple of hundred dollars a month, or what is usually the range that one might be eligible for? If it's a non-blind person, it'll be about a thousand dollars per month. If it's a blind individual, the amount is higher. It's one thousand six hundred and forty dollars per month through SSI. Through the SSI program, yes. And they don't count, well, initially they, they look at the whole amount that a person makes, and that is the 1640 a month. So a person, a person may be entitled to as much as $1,642 through SSI, depending on their own particular financial situation. Now, Mr. Luna, what about owning a home? What if a person owns the home and then that person has lost their job they, they, they don't have any more money in the bank because they have depleted all of their income and all of their savings in the bank. So they have less than $2,000. This is a single person, but he does have a own home. Can that person who is legally blind who owns a home apply for SSI, or does owning a home count as a resource? Uh, good question. Uh, but before I proceed and, uh, and answer that, I wanted to make one slight correction. It, the amount for a blind individual is one thousand six hundred and forty four zero, not forty two. So I don't want a little confusion there. Um, back to the question: If a person has a home and it's the only house they have, the only property they own, that wouldn't be considered as a resource. SSI allows for one house and one car. Anything more than that would be considered a resource and would be looked at at its face value. Now, what happens if a person uh, does apply for SSI because they had low income and they then later they get a job and they're then starting to earn a little bit of money? Let's say that they're earning $1,000 per month or a certain amount. Mm-hmm. How, how does that work? Does the income that one makes, does it um, reduce that benefit amount? Or if you make any amount of money, do you suddenly lose all of your SSI? Very good question. Actually, if a person's already receiving the benefit and they go back to work, their benefit may be reduced depending upon their countable income. Now, we don't look at the total amount that they're earning. There's a, a little formula we look at. We always exclude a certain amount. There's two exclusions we start out with. The first exclusion is a $20 general exclusion. Typically, that amount is deducted from any under-earned income for an individual. If the individual doesn't have any under-earned income, we reduce it from any earned income. So that's the top, $20. Then there's an additional $65 a reduction that we do. 
that is $65 is specifically for earned income. So that's a total of $85 we deduct from a person's income. Once we have the amount after the deduction, we divide that particular amount by two. So in your example, if a person's receiving $1,000, we'll deduct $85 from that person's income. So that'll leave us with $915. Now, from there, we divide that amount by two, and that remainder would be considered the countable income. At that point, we look at how much a person's receiving from SSI, and we will deduct from that monthly benefit their countable income to arrive at their new benefit. If their countable income exceeds their monthly benefit, then they're no longer entitled to a monthly SSI check. Okay, wow, that's pretty nice. So a person can still earn some income from working and still receive whether it's going to be all or part of that SSI. That is correct. Now, is there um, any type of an adjustment? Let's say, for example, that I am working part-time and I am making $1,000 and I'm also getting the SSI, but I'm spending money that I need to use to maintain my employment. I'm spending um, $100 a week for someone to drive me to work I'm buying a computer for the blind. I'm buying other equipment, or I have to buy a uniform for work. Is there any additional deduction that I might be able to use against the income I make? Is is there any type of deduction or exclusion such that if I am spending some of the money that I make, if I have a paycheck of $1,000 and I'm using some of that $1,000 for my paycheck, to pay for someone to drive me to work or equipment, is there any way that I can use some of that expense as a deduction so that I can maintain and still keep some of my SSI? That is correct. There's actually what we consider blind work expenses that we deduct in making determinations, and this amount is deducted from any countable income, which would be reducing the countable income even more, which would affect the benefit less. Ah, that's great. So that that will then lower the amount that would then be removed Mm -hmm. from the SSI. That is correct. Okay, that's wonderful. And let me give you some examples, actually, of some of what we consider to be blind work expenses, because they don't necessarily have to be related to blindness in order to qualify as, a, as an expense. For example, federal, state, and local income would be, uh, uh, taxes would be considered blind work expenses as in addition to that social security tax, licenses or union dues, any meals consumed at work, mandatory contributions such as pension and disability, transportation, and service animal care. These would be considered blind work expenses and will be deducting these amounts from any countable income. Wow, that's really, really great. So it really does help to keep the, the the blind person with a higher amount of, quote, cash in their pocket. In other words, just because you make $1,000, um, you have a better chance of keeping more of that for expendable income rather than just using it for job-related expenses. And that is correct, yes. And one thing I wanted to make note, 
if a person is no longer eligible for SSI because of their accountable income, they may still retain Medicare for uh, for about a year after their benefits stop. So just because their benefits stopped, they will retain the Medi-Cal. But even if a person's eligible for $1 of SSI benefits, their Medi-Cal will continue. That's wonderful. That's really great. Now, Mr. Luna, what about a situation, as we're still talking about SSI, and SSI is, again, related to a person's resources, how much money do they have? What about the person who might not be legally blind, but they are visually impaired? In in the medical field, we call this a person who is partially sighted. Mm-hmm. If a person is partially sighted and they have low income and low resources, can that person also apply for SSI or do they have to be legally blind? They don't have to be considered legally blind if there is a... A visual problem, they may qualify for the benefit based on that, but they don't have to be considered legally blind to be eligible. So it just may be that that if a person is what's called partially sighted, where they're not legally blind, they may be eligible for SSI, but they just may not get the full 1,640 maximum as compared to if they were legally blind and had this very, very low income. That's right, Dr. Bill. You're exactly right. Okay, and again, I, I want to reiterate here so that we don't mislead the, the listeners. It doesn't mean that anybody who is legally blind who qualifies for SSI will get 1,640. It, it depends on each case. Is that right? Yeah, the the $1,640 that you're referring to would be the um, the exception. That's, that's how much a person can earn from uh, from their work while receiving. Social Security Disability or SSI benefits. Okay, so the maximum income that one can make would be $1,640 to maintain uh, their SSI benefit or SSDI benefit? Correct. Okay. Now, um, what happens, let's say that the, the person suddenly has some good fortune and this person who was receiving SSI and you then include the different types of deductions, um, it gets to the point where they are making more than uh, $1,640. They're making 1641 At the point that they make $1 more than the 1640 after the deduction, do they get any type of benefit, or is it completely eliminated? Once a person's countable income exceeds what they're eligible to receive, the benefit will stop. Um, but at any time, they have a year. If their work re- is reduced or their work stops, they can, all they need to do is notify uh, Social Security, and we can restart the benefit. If it exceeds a year, or rather, if, they're tr- if they've been in suspense status because of their earnings for more than a year, their benefit terminates, and they need to reapply at that point. So the key thing is is 12 months. If they're going on 12 months without receiving a benefit and SSI because of their wages, they're going to have to reapply. But if they stop working or reduce their income to the point they're eligible, we can just reinstate them their benefits for them. Okay. So that, that helps that if you were making more, say that you're making $2,000 a month, and then the next month you get laid off, um, it, there's no interruption then within that 12-month period. 
no, they shouldn't be. We can go ahead and reinstate them once they notify us of the situation. Now, what about the difference? What's the difference with the SSDI? You had mentioned that a person who is eligible for SSDI is a person who must have worked at least five of the past ten years. Is that right? That is correct. And so how how does that particular level of benefit, financial benefit, how is that determined? Is that determined by how much that you have contributed from the years you worked, or is it dependent on other factors? We look at the entire worker's years of work. We, we, um, we look at everything, all the years that a person's worked, and we average those benefits based on the highest five years. And that'll kind of determine how much we can pay a monthly benefit. But it's all, it's all based on how much a worker earns. The more a worker pays into Social Security, the higher the benefit will be. And with that particular type of situation, let's say that a person has worked for 10 years and they were making $50,000 a year. Um, what, what is the maximum type of a benefit that one might expect to receive from SSDI if they made a very high amount of money, say $100,000 a year or so? That is a very good question. It's very hard to compute. I would. It takes a while to compute because it's, it's a formula and there's a lot of factors involved. I would have to get back to you on that one. But I, I can assure you that the maximum benefit that is payable, I believe, might be somewhere in the area of 2700 But for that, you would have to be paying into the Social Security. See, there's a maximum amount that's taxable. I believe this year it's $103,000, if I'm not mistaken. We cannot tax any more than that when it comes to Social Security. Or rather, if a person earns more than that amount, we cannot tax any more than that maximum amount of $103,000, if that makes any sense. Okay, yeah. And that's that's very important for all of us to hear because... Let's say that a person was a lawyer and had a really, really high income making, um, let's say they're making $100,000 a year or slightly more. If mm-hmm. that person is used to making $8,000 a month, they cannot anticipate or expect SSDI to pay him $8,000 a month now that he is disabled. That is correct. Um, they should not be expecting to receive the same kind of income. Usually, we look at a third of the amount of the maximum that they're eligible for. So if a person was receiving at least, let's say, $3,000 on average a month, they can expect to receive at least $1,000 a month. That's kind of like the golden rule, a third of what your earnings used to be. And one quick correction, the maximum wage base that we tax is $106,800. Anything more than that, Social Security will not tax on. Okay. Now, when a person has um, applied for the SSDI, now, does the SSDI, does that have a requirement that you must be legally blind, or can you also be partially sighted, where you just have, you know, a partial vision problem and still get the SSDI? The disability determinations parallel off both programs. Uh, so any disability under one will be considered a disability on, under the other program. And so does that also mean that it could be possible that if a person is disabled and they are legally blind, let's say that this person has worked for 20 years and put into the SSDI, 
can a person get both SSDI and SSI if the person now has no resources and is, is flat broke? Can you get both? There's a potential to get both benefits if the claimant meets the income and resource limitations for SSI. Another factor we look at is how much a person would be eligible for under SSDI. If the SSDI exceeds the maximum SSI monthly payment, then um, they would, wouldn't be eligible for SSI. If it's lower than the maximum SSI monthly payment, then there's a potential to receive both benefits, yes. And what about a situation where the person who has uh, applied for SSDI and is receiving the SSDI, is that person also eligible to apply for the Medi-Cal that you spoke to, or is there any medical insurance for that person who no longer can work but now needs medical insurance? A claimant who is receiving the Social Security Disability Insurance Program uh, would be eligible for Medicare. The only thing about Medicare under SSDI is that there's a two-year waiting period, 24 months that they have to wait in order to become entitled to the Medicare. And that's two years after the month of entitlement, not necessarily when they become disabled, but after the first month that they're eligible for benefit. As to Medi-Cal, they wouldn't be eligible for Medi-Cal. Medi-Cal would only be covered under the SSI program. If a claimant would be interested in applying for Medi-Cal and they're not eligible for SSI, they would have to contact their local Department of Social Services. And if somebody lived in, in a different state, such as uh, Wyoming or New York, um, the person who is receiving SSI, the low-income uh, benefit, they can apply for Medicaid in those states as well? I believe if they qualify for SSI, you automatically will have the Medicaid. Okay, gosh. So that's really great. So with either program, there is some medical care insurance that, that is available. Now, the other thing here is, as we get back to speaking about the SSDI, uh, Ms. Luna, what about a person who then suddenly finds that they have become retrained? In other words, a person has been a blind man for five years, but he has become retrained and now has another job. If a person who has been receiving SSDI is then hired and has another job, uh, how is his or her SSDI going to be calculated? They are work incentives that allow the person to continue to work while receiving benefits. We are, the program is called the Trial to Work Program. Essentially, that's a program that allows a worker to test the working field for nine months. For those nine months, a worker can earn virtually anything they can, anything they want, if it's a thousand to ten thousand dollars a month, and still retain the month. Once the ninth month is up, we commence a worker on what is called the extended period of eligibility. That's a 36-month period. What a person earns at that point will affect their monthly benefit. This year, individuals who are in their extended period of eligibility, and if they earn more than $1,640 a month, the $1,640, would not be eligible for a benefit. If they're if their earnings were to decline or if they were to stop working altogether within the 36-month period, they would be eligible to be reinstated and receive a benefit for those months that are below the 1640. 
as to calculation of benefits. If a person is on disability and works, their benefit may be recalculated to reflect the additional earnings that are being posted onto their record. I hope that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, let me see if I got that straight. So if a person <laughs> has received the Social Security disability, and let's say they received that for a couple of years, and then they went out and they got a job, for the first nine months that they began to work, they can make an unlimited amount, and it does not affect that SSDI income at all. That is correct. But after that ninth month, there is following a 36-month period, and if at any time during that 36-month period that the person earns more than $1,640, their disability benefit might be cut or stopped. For that time period, yes. For that time period, they've made more. Yes. And and in that calculation of the 1640 for the person who is now working and had SSDI, are those other types of deductions that you mentioned still available, such as your uh, different types of taxes and union dues and, and so on and so forth? Are those expenses capable of being used to reduce that amount of income? Yes, those expenses, the deductions are still available for the worker. Okay, great. Now, and in the same example where a person did get a job and uh, for the first nine months, again, they could make as much money as they possibly can, and let's say that for the next 12 months, the person made $1,599, and that is below the 1640 so that person could still get the SSDI. Now, let's say for one month, that person made $1,700. Now, during that month, that person would not receive the SSDI. That is correct. But then the following month, again, his income went back down to $1,599, and so he would then be eligible to receive the SSI again without having to reapply and go through everything? They would still be eligible for the SSDI after that. That is correct. Okay. And then after the 36 months, you said there's this period of 36 months. What happens after that 36 months? Um, on the 37th month, if that person is making $1,700, does that mean that his benefit will then be terminated? Yes. Uh, once the 36 months is completed, any month where a worker earns more than 1640 a month, their benefit will automatically be terminated as of that month. Okay. They would receive the benefit for two additional months, uh-huh. and then it'll stop. That is considered their benefit termination month. It'll be three months after they earn more than 1640 But after the 36 months is over, if that person continued to earn less than $1,640, the SSDI benefit would continue? That is correct. The benefit will continue as long as they do not exceed the 1640 per month. Okay. Wow. You know, in some ways, that, that that's um, really sort of bad because I, I feel that it really tends to um, make a person who is blind and disabled not really move towards their true potential because they might say, I don't want to make more than $1,640 because I might lose my SSDI. I can hear what you're saying, and I understand it. But the whole point of these work incentives 
the trial to work period, the extended period of eligibility, is to try to get a claimant from relying on a cash benefit and trying to, to re-enter the workforce. And that depends on the monthly check to survive if they're capable of working. But the program is always there to help them get back onto the benefit if they fail to do so. Yeah. Well, I think that what's great about it is SSI is, is really keeping a lot of people who are legally blind and unemployed. It's keeping them underneath a, a roof and putting food on the table. Now, um, Mr. Luna, what happens when a person, let's say that a person is uh, 50 years old and they are receiving SSDI, and let's say, for example, that they are receiving uh, $1,000 a month from SSDI, mm-hmm. and this person then grows older, and by the time that that person is 65 years of age, the time that most people begin to receive SS Social Security, does a person who has been receiving the SSDI for all these years, do they receive any additional income when they hit 65 or 70 and they're older? If they're receiving SSDI prior to reaching the 65th uh, birthday, there wouldn't be an increase in their monthly benefit, um, not from SSDI. They may be eligible to receive SSI at age 65 if they meet the requirements. But as to receiving additional funds, as, um, for example, the the benefit for SSDI increasing at that point, no. Once you're receiving the benefit, uh, that's pretty much the amount you will receive um, as long as you're receiving the benefit. In this case, it would be the rest of their life. And how about with SSDI? Um, is there any type of cost of living increase that one might receive each year with inflation, or does it always stay the same forever? There's usually a cost of living increase that's made at the end of the year for all benefits, but that all depends on economic growth. If there's economic growth, then the benefit would increase, uh, would reflect the inflation rate. If there's a deflation, there wouldn't be any increase. The benefit will still be the same. And that's exactly what we've seen in the last two years. There hasn't been the cost of living increase because we've had actually a shrinkage in the economy. Oh, well, that's great. I mean, so in other words, you're saying that if there is deflation in the economy, they won't lower your SSDI payment. That is correct. The benefit won't go down. Oh, that's great. That's great. Now, with any of this type of SSDI income that one might receive, is is that taxable? Do I have to pay income taxes if I were to receive SSDI? Let's say that I was making a lot of money and I was getting $2,500 a month from SSDI. At -hmm. the end of the year, do I have to file a tax return and pay taxes on that? That is correct. Uh, It may be taxable up to a certain amount. I'm not a tax specialist. I couldn't tell you the exact amounts, depending on what you receive monthly, but I am aware that it is taxable income. At the end of every year, you will receive a 1099, and you use this 1099 to file your taxes and to report this income. And But to make a quick answer, yes, the SSDI benefits are taxable. And how about for the person who has low income, and is getting an SSI check at the end of the year, does the same hold true where a 1099 is given and you have to possibly pay taxes on that? 
No, the SSI benefit is not taxable. You don't have to pay any any taxes on that benefit. Wow, that's nice. That is really great. Now, when a person doesn't really know if they qualify for anything, what is the best thing for one to do? What do you recommend? Do you recommend that they would make an appointment at a Social Security office or uh, make a telephone call? Or what's the best thing for some of our listeners to do? The best thing to do is to go online. Social Security, the website, offers a lot of information where you can actually have a benefit calculator to see how much you qualify in addition to see if you qualify for the benefit. At that point, if you're not satisfied, then I recommend calling the local Social Security office, speaking to somebody over the phone. And if it appears a benefit um, may be there for you, I recommend making an appointment to see if you can qualify for the benefit. And what's the website that one would go to? The website is www.socialsecurity.gov. Okay, so it's all spelled out, www.socialsecurity.gov, and all of our listeners could actually go in and plug in their information and find out what benefit they may or may not be eligible for, huh? Yes, there's a, you can apply online, actually, too, not just um, going to the office or speaking to somebody and making an appointment. If someone is interested and thinks they qualify for it, they can apply for the benefit straight from the website, be it retirement, disability. There, the website offers a lot of information and a lot of services for an individual. That way, they don't have to be going to the office, where our wait times can sometimes be up to an hour to an hour and a half just to be seen. Wow. And when one goes to the socialsecurity.gov website, is, is it, would, would one have to go to two separate sections, for example, if they think that they might be eligible for SSI because they have low income, do they have to make an application on that link? Or is it just one application and then they will tell you totally if you qualify for SSI and if you qualify for SSDI? Well, when you apply, we really couldn't tell you online whether you qualify or not. Okay. A person would have to apply for the benefit. Uh, SSI would contact the individual and let them know if they qualify for it or not. And the same thing with SSDI. But the system itself would not tell you if they apply online using our website, would not uh, tell them there, then and there if they qualify. They can see the requirements for the program um, using our informational services on the website to see if they qualify to apply for it, depending on their individual circumstances. But they can always apply for the benefit. There's no way that we cannot tell a person no, or the system will not um, take a claim. Everyone's free to apply for the benefit using our, our online services. Great, great. This is really helpful information. Well, Mr. Luna, do you have a little bit of time to answer some questions? You know, can you take a few questions from our listeners? Sure, sure. I have some time. Okay, great. Um, if all of you listeners, if you would unmute your phone if you have a question, and remember that this uh, interview is being recorded, so if you don't want your name to be known, if you ask a question, you don't have to announce your name. So to unmute your phone, press star 6, and we'll begin to take some questions for Mr. Luis Luna. Let's see, does anybody have any questions out there? I do, Abby Vincent. Hi, Abby. Uh, Hi, go ahead. Hi, Abby. Uh, let's hear your question for Mr. Luna. Yeah, of course, there's a lot of concern about what's going to happen to Social Security because of our debt crisis, et cetera, et cetera. 
What I there was a proposal. I think it was even today, and I didn't get any details. It said that Social Security benefits will be cut, so the Republicans will allow us to increase the debt ceiling and that kind of thing. Do you know anything about that? Honestly, we don't. We're all in the dark as to what's going on, um, and we get these questions quite a bit, actually. And every office just about in our areas, but uh, we really don't know what's going on. This is Tom Frank from Vermont. I'm actually a uh, Social Security claims representative. We do not know. Yeah, we do not know. Okay, another question for Mr. Luna. I have a question for Mr. Luna. I in Vermont, and you can explain. There's different levels of SSI around the country. California has a much higher supplement. In Vermont, on SSI, you're only going to get $746.04 a month. What do you get in California? Actually, our, our amount has actually decreased. Um, the state, because of the funding situation, decreased it by $15. I believe the 2011 maximum rate for an individual is $845. That's if they live independent, they have an independent living status. But, yeah, it's $845. Mr. Luna, if there are, um, there's a family, and let's say that they have low income, mom and dad, are neither of them are working, and they have two children who are both legally blind, is it possible for two siblings to each receive that 800 and some odd dollars, or is that really going to be um, calculated according to the entire family? In, in California, for uh-huh. example, if a family has two children, who are both legally blind and the family does not have resources and they apply for SSI, does the family only receive one check or would each child who is legally blind receive their own SSI paycheck? Each child would be eligible for their, to receive their own check. So they would be receiving multiple checks in both cases. Okay, thank you. Another question for Mr. Luna? Uh, Mr. Luna, actually, this is uh, Joe from L.A. I'm doing pretty good myself. Thank you for, for asking. I, I actually, um, I don't know, I might go off the topic a little bit, but try to uh, keep me on topic. I'm sorry. Um, I actually been uh, receiving uh, SSI for a long time, actually, myself, and um, I did notice that uh, that um, the, the change that was made to SSI, actually, uh, actually, it was this month, I think, when it went down. That is um, correct, yeah. I'm actually, uh, I do, um, I'm a student actually, so I'm, I was thinking about, uh, it's like a, a work program that they're offering at the, at the university, the university I'm at right now, so, uh, I don't know if that, that, uh, is gonna affect my, um, my eligibility for, for SSI. Another thing is that, um, uh, I do receive welfare as well because I do have, uh, four kids and, um, it's been kind of hard for me with with school and uh, to try to stay in school when with the kids and all that. So um, mm-hmm. I actually do have a, a child that has uh, uh, ADHD. He was a uh, he was denied though for for SSI. I don't know if uh, it was due to uh, the reason that I'm receiving SSI and he's receiving welfare. But I uh, but I told them that um, I wanted to change him to to SSI. Now I did appeal the the case and it, it is uh, scheduled for hearing. So uh, I was just wondering if do you th- uh, do you think that might affect uh, the, his eligibility or my eligibility? What would affect? What is your question again? What would affect whose eligibility? Uh, my son, since he, since he uh, since he uh, he has ADHD, would would uh, that affect him in uh, in? 
applying for SSI. I know it's not a blind related question. That's why I t uh, that's why I asked. Um, uh, well, told you I might go off the topic a little bit here. Mm -hmm. Not a problem. Uh, if no, it shouldn't affect. Um, it shouldn't have any effect at all. I don't see oh, okay. why it would affect. No. Right. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was my it, question. I'm sorry if I went a little bit off the topic, man. No, no, not at all. If if he has a disability and you're on SSI yourself, it shouldn't have any effect on your benefit and vice versa. Uh, the child should be eligible to receive if he, the child is found to be medically disabled. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Very good. Good question. Thank you. Thank we you. We have another question for uh, Mr. Luna. I have one. Uh, this is Reba from Pittsburgh. And my question, Mr. Luna, is are you able to speak to any possible um, uh, federal incentives, um, possibly state incentives, although you're in California and I'm in Pennsylvania, but um, that the government may have to offer towards employers to um, increase offerings of medical insurance for the people with disabilities that they do hire? I heard um, you and Dr. Bill talking earlier about how um, some people, some blind people were concerned about making over the limit because then they would lose their benefits. And mm -hmm. both of you have valid points about why people might not want to make over the limit. But one of the concerns um, that I see um, for myself as well as in the field that I'm starting to work in, which is social work, is that people are afraid to go over the limit most likely because um, depending on what state they are in, their jobs, uh, if the jobs don't provide any medical insurance, they'll be left with um, just Medicare, which is great. That covers a great deal of the cost. But if you have a lot of health care issues, 20% of a lot of money um, that you have to pay for that copay is still a lot of money. Um, can you please speak to any of the incentives that you may know of for companies to help increase insurance for their employees? That is okay. a very good question. I honestly cannot think of any on the top of my head. That's not an issue we frequently address or come up with uh, regarding medical incentives from employers. Usually what we deal with are work incentives, but medical incentives are something we haven't dealt with. Yeah, I apologize. I don't, I don't have an answer to that question. We can say that I, at one time, I kept myself below it because I did have a lot of health issues that I knew mm -hmm. that once I lost the backup Medicaid, I would not be able to afford the copays on that. So mm -hmm. um, I think it is a concern that um, needs to be addressed at some point. And I, I don't expect you to go out and do it. I'm just going <laughs> to my two cents. So. I wish I could. <laughs> yeah, this well, is Tom from Vermont. I would say it varies greatly from state to state. Yeah. Um, those type of incentives in Vermont, we have quite a few incentives. New Hampshire has none. It varies from state to state. So check with your state, uh, you know, Medicaid or Medi-Cal office, uh, see what's available. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Much appreciated. Okay. Another question there for Mr. Luis Luna. Well, I was asking, but I would want him to address it. If you were on disability, I was, then you go off. Uh, thank you very much. I make a good salary. Thank you, taxpayers. Uh, <laughs> but then if you have to stop and you're blind, you're getting SSDI, there's a huge incentive. Could you explain what that is? I said you might not know not being a, doing claims reps all the time, but. Okay, you're talking, about, are you, you're talking about working, earning above SGA, and then 
stopping to work? Is that what you're yep. referring to? Wouldn't that be the extended period of eligibility where you can be reinstated? Yeah, I, I, there is that, but there's another thing that I didn't find until I took a claim from somebody. Once uh-huh. blind, always blind. So if you were blind and getting SSDI at age 30, you go back to work and your SSDI stops. 30 years down the road, you stop working. You stop working, you're automatically eligible for Social Security disability again. I didn't know it until I took somebody's claim. Oh, that's cool. You know, that's I didn't even know that until now. Thank you so much for sharing that with me. Yeah, a lot of people get retirement and SSDI and <laughs> when they retire and whatever they get. So. It also works for survivor's benefits if you're an adult disabled child. Right. Um, which would be me. So. <laughs> okay, I'll have to look into this. Thank you so much for Tom for sharing. Mr. Leonard, this is Richard Reda. I just wanted to say thank you again. I know we're not quite done yet, but thank you for all this very useful information. Oh, you're yeah, welcome. I, thank you. Thank you so thank much. You. I think this has been very, very helpful. And uh, let's see, we got time for maybe one last question, and then we'll wrap it up. Is there one last question for Ms. Luis Luna from Social Security? Okay, well, I think that's it then. And uh, for all of you who want to listen to this again, because there was so much information that he put out there, this is all being recorded by Airs LA, and it will be on the CCLVI webpage shortly within a few days. And you could also find it on the Airs LA webpage at www.airsla.org. So, um, on behalf of all the members of CCLVI, Ms. Luna, we really, really appreciate your time. We know it's the end of a long day for you, and it's hot over here in LA today, but uh, thank you so much. Thank you very, very much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you all for participating and letting me be here and share this evening with you. Thank you so much. Thank you.